Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I want to speak on a really important, powerful subject. And this affects all our lives. It always does. Whether you realize it or not, it, it is affecting you right now. This is the way you and I live. Actually, we were created this way and designed by God to live this way. So you're doing it automatically by design. And whether you're, even if you're unsaved and don't know Jesus, you're still doing it, right? And the title, if you want a title, is, uh, you can name it many, many different ways, but uh, you can title this message, What You See Is What You Get. What you see. Now, I'm not talking about what you see physically, but what you see spiritually. What you see with your imagination. What you see with your spirit, man. You know, you, you are a spirit being. Your, the Bible says we're spirit, soul, and body. We live in a body, but we have a spirit. Our spirit's made in the image and the likeness of God. And so if we're like, think about that. We're in the image and the likeness of God. God created you in his image. Sometimes that blows you away just to think, wow, I'm made in his image, in his likeness. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God as dear children imitate their fathers. That word imitate means to copy God. In other words, act like God, be like God, do, the, do life the way God does. We're talking about his nature, right? And so what you see spiritually is what you get. You can, you can look at it this many, many ways. Um, your faith has eyes. Your faith has eyes. Your faith sees. Your faith creates an expectation for your life. So if I was to say to you, what do you see yourself in five years' time? That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes if there's, if, very, if there's lack of faith and there's a lot of unbelief, it clouds that vision. It makes it murky. It's unclear because of unbelief. You can't see clearly. You might go, I don't know, Leo. And see, if, it's, if you're in unbelief and if you're in uh, fear and, and hopelessness, then you just see hopelessness. If you, if, you, if you have hopelessness and in five years' time, all you see is more disasters, uh, more, more, more broken relationships, more hurt, more pain, more rejection, more insecurity. Because if that's what you see in five years' time, that's because you're full of despair and hopelessness. That's in your spirit. That's what you'll end up projecting. Now, the world uses some of these phrases. They take God out of it. They take relationship out of it. They take a relationship with a personal God out of it. And they use things like, you know, oh, that's, you know, um, you know what you think. You become what you think and all that. But they're all biblical truths. Proverbs tells us that a man, man, think, a man is what he thinks. What you think is what you are. So, so. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the offer and the finish of our faith. So our eyes should be set on the person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. We should be looking to Him and hearing His word. In Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, talking about our resurrection that we're seated in the heavenly places before that, but it says, If you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So what are we supposed to seek? See, to seek means you're looking. We're talking about spiritually. Seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of your Father. So let your affection, your mind, your thoughts be from above. Let them think about heaven and that you're seated at the right hand of God with Jesus in heavenly places. If my mind's thinking about it, I will live from there. Now there's, 
there's some powerful quotes. I thought, you know, I remember hearing a powerful quote from di- different people, but listen to some of these quotes. A blind man who sees is better than a seeing man who is blind. Sometimes you can see physically, but you're blind spiritually. A blind man who sees spiritually is better than a seeing man who is blind spiritually. The worst thing that being, sorry, the worst thing than being blind is having sight, but no vision. That's worse than being blind, having sight and have no vision in life. You know, I like this one because I want you to interpret it into your lifestyle. The sky is not less blue because the blind man can't see it. The, bl- the, the sky is blue whether the blind man can see it. And I wrote down, there is a blue sky filled with vision for your life whether you see it or not. God has a beautiful blue sky filled with His vision for your life. Whether you see it or not, He still has a plan for your life. In fact, Psalms 139 tells us that all the days ordained for you were written in His book before any of your days came into being. So God's got a book in heaven and wrote down all your life. It's a good life too. His plans, His purposes for your life. So what we've got to do is get to the place where we're hearing from God out of relationship and His Word paints a picture in us. Paints a vision for our life. To be blind is bad, but worse is to have eyes and not see. And so when I think about, you know, in the natural, so our thoughts, our thoughts are words and our thoughts create images. We think with images. We think with pictures. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I say dog, you don't see D-O-G in your mind's consciousness. You see a dog. Big black dog. It's changing. should be changing the picture. Big black hairy dog. White little chihuahua. Ferocious lion. You should be seeing pictures. Not words, not letters. If I say your house, you should see your home. Everyone's got, everyone's got a different picture. If I say your bedroom... Everyone's got a different picture. You see, you just saw your bedroom. And some of them's very dirty bedroom, some is very clean bedroom. But you saw your bedroom. Words are painting a picture, aren't they? So think about it in the natural. A house doesn't get built. You know, if you ever built a house or renovated a house, you have to picture what you want. You have to think, I want this type of home. I want four bedrooms or two bedrooms. I want I want carpet or tiles. You've got to imagine it. You've got to think it. Before you can create it, you have to think it. Same with a building. You know, the, the, any building that's ever built. The opera house had to be, it was in someone's imagination first. The amazing cre- creator, the amazing designer. He thought about the shape, and I'm going to build a shell-shaped building. It didn't just happen by accident, accidentally. It had to be in someone. That's true of all types, everything, everything we've ever built, everything we've ever created. An iPhone had to be designed in our imagination that we could have an iPhone. Yes, it's come from, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, invention after invention, and it evolved to become better and better and better. But someone had to conceive what this could do before we actually created it. Had to have the idea. I thought, you know what? We can send a picture. And then they had to, had to, had to conceive it to actually start creating it. And that's true of electric cars. Someone had to think it up. Why don't we tap into electricity or solar panels? We can go on and on and on. Rockets going to, the, going to the moon, going to Mars. Someone's got vision to go to the Mars. You've got to have the thought before you can create it. So we're made in God's image. This happens all the time. And we can go on and on. I think of, I think of um, uh, the Eiffel Tower. Someone designed it. Someone thought about it hundreds of years ago to build this Eiffel Tower. 
Dubai, if you know anything about Dubai in the 70s, it was a desert. 60s or 70s. And it's a beautiful, amazing city. Someone had to envision that, dream it up, think it, and then, then you get building it. So the question is, what do you see in your life in five years' time or ten years' time? Luke chapter 5, if you've got in your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, is a story of Jesus. Um, he's, he's talking to a crowd of probably about ten to 20,000 people. It was so full and so packed that they were squeezing him next to the sea. And so he goes to Peter, who's just finished um, fishing all night long with his friends. So they worked all night. Man, what would happen if you worked all night? I, I, I think if I was a fisherman and I worked all night and I'm washing my nets, all I'm thinking of is bed. I want to go home, eat, and go to bed. I'm tired. I've worked all night. But Jesus is ministering. Jesus is preaching. There's crowds. And Jesus says, Peter, can, you just, uh, can I use your boat? And, and they pushed the boat a little bit out, and then they, he could preach to the crowd. Now, I don't know how long he preached to. He might have preached for an hour, two hours, three. Who knows? But when he finished, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, push out a little bit into the deep and throw out your net for a catch. And Peter, thinking, I've worked all night. I'm the fisherman. I'm the expert. Thank you very much. You're the Messiah. Stick to being the Messiah. Stick to being the Son of God. I'm a fisherman. I do this as a living. I, I know how to catch fish. I'm sure his mind would have thought this. Oh, I'm also tired. I've also washed the nets. I don't know if I really want to dirty it again to the weeds and everything. I have to clean it all up. And, but, but he had enough faith to hear Jesus say to him, throw it out. And you know, it says, nevertheless, because he actually said, I've told all night. I've worked all night, but nevertheless, at your word, it's going against Peter's natural thinking. This looks impossible in the natural, but you said, throw your net out. So he takes the net, does all the work with his uh, fishermen friends, and they throw out the net, and they caught so much fish, it started to sink his boat, and they get his friend's boat, and they're sinking the boats full of the weight of the fish. Peter freaks out and falls down on his knees. and says, gee, you know, you depart from me, I'm a sinner. Now, what do we get out of that? Jesus gave him a word. When Jesus gave him a word to do it, he had to picture himself actually going back out into the boat, get the net, and actually throwing it out. The word gave him the thought, gave him the picture, and actually saw himself doing it before he physically acted on it. You can't act on something that doesn't come in first. True? You can't have corresponding actions without the thought first coming into your life. This is actually good news for all of us. Because you're a free moral being. You are a free being. You can choose your thoughts. You can choose what type of thoughts you live on. You can choose the words you put into yourself. You can, see, you can choose what you see. You can choose what you hear. You can choose how much of the Word of God you put in yourself. Faith, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The word word is rima. That's in... Um, uh, uh, Romans 10 verse 17 faith comes by hearing hearing by the rima that's the spoken word of God so it's not just head knowledge so when I actually hear God speak to me in relationship true remember Mary where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says to her you're going to give birth to the son of God he's going to be the savior of the world He's going he's gonna, to you know, set people from their sins and so on. And she goes, what? How can this be? It's like she's a young teenage daughter, a woman. And you know, she goes, how can these things be? I, I, I've never known a man. I, I'm a virgin. And the angel Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and impregnate you. And at that point, Mary goes, be it unto me according to your word. 
That's like, I accept it. I believe it. If you're saying, you're talking to an angel. An angel's in front of you. Physically, you can see an angel. The angel's telling you God's message to you is you're going to give birth to the Messiah, to the Son, to the Son of God. And so Mary responds and says, be it unto me according to your word. When she was sort of saying, how can this be? How can this be possible? The angel said, no word from God is void of its power. Every word that comes from God to you is a seed, isn't it? It comes as a thought, it comes as the word, it comes as a seed, but the seed has power within itself to produce when it comes from God. Because again, relationship and faith is at work. Mary added her faith and she received a supernatural thing that took place. She got pregnant without knowing a man physically, intimately. Now, if, that was, if, the, if there were women in those days, other teenage women, if they go, wow, that was amazing. Do you know what happened to Mary? I want to do that too. Notice that that can't happen. You can work that up in your mind. You can, you can be a woman in those days and go, I'm going to release my faith and I'm going to mentally envision that I'm going to give birth to a Messiah. Well, that's not the will of God for you. It's not going to happen. That's what we try to do sometimes when we mimic other people's calls. We find other people's, oh, I like that, what they're doing. Now, God spoke to them about it. You can't just conjure this up in your mind. It has to be your relationship with God. To hear Him, and He speaks to you, and He births in your spirit. That's why it's all based on relationship. Yes, is there power in, in, uh, what's, what's, uh, uh, in thinking, you know, in positive thinking? Of course, there's a, an element of power in positive thinking. But they've only got very limited power. It's the power of the mind. Then I tap into the power of the Spirit of the living God and your spirit that's made in His image. They leave that out. So if I'm, if I'm a positive thinker and I'm unsaved, of course it's going to be better for me. And, I'll probably, and I believe because if it's made in, we're made in this is God's way, you will attract positive things. Because you think more positive and you're going to speak more positive and things like that will, will be attracted. It's the way God's kingdom operates. But they don't have a relationship with God, so it severs relationship with the Father. Now in the beginning... Genesis, just quickly, there's so much to carry, I really want to be able to bring this across well. Um, I want us to hear what God is saying to us. In Genesis, it says, verse uh, 2, the earth, chapter 1, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. What was over the surface of the deep? What was over? Darkness was over the surface of the deep. That means darkness is over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. Now there was darkness. God didn't speak out darkness. He didn't speak what he saw. There was darkness on the face of the earth, over the face of the sea. But what he was seeing, what God was seeing, he spoke light. But where did the light come from? Where do you think the light came from? It's an easy question. What? God. So the light came from inside of God. God spoke it and light be and light was. That's how powerful God is. It's a, it's a similar picture of us. Yes, there's some things around us, but we speak from in here. We speak when God speaks to us. When God speaks to us a word, we speak the word and we live out the word and changes the world around us. Because we're made, we're made in God's image, we're made in God's likeness question is how clear do you see and the, and the reason why we don't see clearly is that don't we you don't hear God's word well we, we, we fill ourselves with everything else 
Um, revelations, uh, uh, this is, it's all about revelation knowledge. If I can just hone this in, Isaiah 5 verse 13 says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity and bondage and slavery because they have no knowledge. They go back into it because of lack of revelation knowledge. The word knowledge isn't head knowledge, it's revealed knowledge. It's spiritual knowledge. Hosea, Hosea 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's really clear. Two, two different scriptures we just read. And then in Proverbs 29 verse 18, without a vision, my people perish. Without a vision, if you don't have a vision, I like this one too, people cast off restraint. If I don't have a vision to, to look for, what God is saying to me and what God is telling me to do, if I don't have a vision, a purpose for life, I cast off restraint, don't I? The restraint means um, I just throw out all the disciplines and the boundaries and I throw it out. Why? Because I don't, I've got nothing to live for. So I cast off restraint. We all have vision put there in us by God. One of the greatest things that God's placed you in the earth, for its greatest purpose is a relationship with Him. There's a vision. There's purpose. Your first purpose here on the earth is to have love relationship with the Father, to enjoy His presence. It's in this beautiful love relationship with Him is we live out our life. Third John, um, you know this one, Third John, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. In other words, if your soul doesn't prosper, you're not going to prosper on the outward world. If you want your outward world to prosper, you want to mentally prosper, emotionally prosper, prosper in your relationships, your soul has to prosper. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Even your physical body actually starts responding to your soul being healthy. So if your soul is healthy, your emotions, your spirit, also because you're connected with God. That's a powerful promise. I remember when I was a young, 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 young believer. Actually, I started the church at the age of 22. And when I started the church, filled with the Word, filled with love with God, filled with relationship, spending time with Him all the time. This word, this particular promise was a summary of the whole Bible, isn't it? So everything God's ever said to me, if I pictured the future, I couldn't, I couldn't see failure. I couldn't see uh, the, the church just failing and falling apart and breaking up and closing down. I couldn't see that. Why? Because the word was at work inside of me. All I could see is God, somehow God working it out. God making it happen. It's a faith thing. I'm just trying to show us how faith operates. It, just, it's, it operates because you're putting the Word in, spending time with Him. He speaks to you and He creates. The, your spirit has faith to see what He wants to do. Um, Mark chapter 11 verse 22 is powerful because that's when Jesus, remember when He cursed the tree, the fig tree, because it didn't have any fruit in it? And um, Peter was astonished and said, what? Look at that tree you cursed yesterday. It's died and it's withered from its roots. So it didn't wither from the outside. The fruit didn't fall off straight away by itself when he spoke. It was, looked normal when he spoke to it yesterday. When they came back the next day, Peter says it withered from its roots. The moment Jesus spoke, the roots responded. Because we have power in our words, don't we? You and I have power in our words. We've got to believe this stuff, don't we? Believe what the Bible says about us. Mark 11, and when Jesus tries to teach as an object lesson that this fig tree responded to my faith in God, I spoke out something. And he says, have the faith of God. Verse 22 now, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, 
be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, he will, it will be granted him. I mean, Jesus is saying these words. If you don't doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. I think, I think this happens naturally. You know, like, oh, winter's coming around. Every time winter comes, you watch, mark my word. I always get the flu. I get it. But what are you doing? You have faith in, in the sickness and you have faith. You actually, you know, you, you, some, fear operates the opposite, doesn't it? Fear is something we, 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 we despair. Faith is something we hope for. Fear is something we, we, we despair not to have. But the fear gives it energy. And you end up speaking it. And confessing it and thinking this happens. Nobody loves me. Why would someone say nobody loves me? I don't have any good friends. I don't have any relationships. No one really cares about me. Now, if that's how I see myself, that's what I think. That's how I project. That's what I speak. That's what I say to people. And then you end up, you're repelling people. Because you can't even have an intimate relationship with people because you're pushing people away. Because you think you're unlovable. Can you see how you have to change the way you see yourself? And through relationship with the Father, spending time with Jesus, he tells you, he speaks to you, Leo, you're loved. Leo, I love you. I know you by name. I know you. Samantha here, um, the Samantha that came last week for the first time. Samantha, last Sunday morning when we were praying, I was asking God, God, speak to me some names, people that are going to come, people that I don't even know you're going to come. And the voice of God spoke to me directly. It just said, Samantha, I brushed it off. Because I know two Samanthas in our church. I go, nah, Samantha, I can't. What do you say about Samantha? But then you came for the first time. And I think God is saying to you, I know you by name. I know you by name. I know everything about you. He goes, and the plan, the way that he brought you to Sydney, the plans, the purposes. I say, Lord, what do you want to say? Just say to her that I know her by name. You don't realize how much God intimately knows you. You know, a prophet came to, to our city. Uh, Sean Boltz, and he, and he got Leo and Christine by name. I have to remind myself, Lord, you in heaven, you spoke to someone, your child, your son, and told them my name. Told them my dad's name too. Told them my birthday. Christine's birthday. It's remind us, God, you know us intimately. Jesus actually said, every single hair on your head is numbered. God knows it. You just got to believe these things. How valuable you are. That means when I comb my hair and I lost some hair, he knows about that. And for some of you, it's really easy to count. <laughs> and I'm joking, of course. Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the heart, man believes into righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made for salvation. That's not just salvation for your sins. It's salvation in every area of your life. To be made sozoed, to be made whole, to be delivered. Your mouth speaks it when it's in here. What does Luke chapter 6, 45 say? This blessed my socks when as a baby Christian. It hit me hard. A good man out of the good treasure that's in his heart brings forth good things. What? How do good things happen to you? A good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. An evil man. Now Everyone just said, that's not me. You know what an evil man is according to the Bible? Even unbelief is evil. Hebrews says, depart from an evil heart of unbelief. Book of Hebrews. 
an evil heart of unbelief. So, so we've all got that sort of unbelief, you know, insecurity, fear. So look at it that this way. An evil man, unbelieving man, insecure, fearful, you know, critical, judgmental person brings forth evil, negative, critical things, judgmental issues into his life. He brings it forth. Why? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart, your mouth speaks. So what's, what's the good news about this? You can change what's in your heart. You've got the freedom to spend time with the Father, spend time with Jesus and be in His Word and let the Word change you. The Word coming into your spirit, your Word renewing your mind and, and giving you, when you get a Word from God, it gives you a picture of that. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer of Paul, when Paul's praying, he goes, he prays, he bows the knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and he prays that the Father would open up your, his, your eyes of your imagination to the hope of your calling eyes of your imagination some people's some people's translation says the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that means opened up that the light will turn on in your heart to know what is the hope of your calling so you can't walk in the hope of your calling unless your eyes become open to it you have to become open then you can receive it you can walk in it Open up your eyes to the hope of your calling. Open up your eyes to the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints. My eyes have to be open to what He's given me. When I get a revelation and and, and it becomes real to me out of relationship, God speaks to me that I'm seated in heaven. I I was dead in my sins, but He made me alive with Christ. He resurrected my dead spirit and He made me alive together with Christ and sat me down at the right hand of the Father with Christ. That's what He's done with you if you're a believer. And you get a revelation, I'm seated with Jesus above all principalities and powers of might and dominion. I've got to believe that's my position. It might not feel like my condition, but that's my position. And when you see it, you're going to be able to live from it. You know, when I was in, me and my wife and our family were living in Mitchenbury, quite far out, and... Um, we were there for six years. Again, the season of this and the time of this is really important. It's something that you're walking with, a relationship with God and the peace of God. But I remember there came a time where we felt we need to move closer to the school. Uh, it's taken 45 minutes to get to the school. Our kids were prefects and stuff, and we had to get them really early there. We thought, you know, well, let's release our faith. I think it's time that we sell up. And, 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 but the, the other house in my heart was, in my heart, I got, again, I've got to say, in my spirit, I saw it was going to be better than this. It was going to be larger. It was going to be nicer. It was going to be greater for hospitality. We're going to have people over. I thought, Lord, I just see. I can't explain it any other way. It's not necessarily, I don't know if I can say the phrase seeing in the spirit, but it's just your faith sees this. I was having this expectation that God, you're, going, you're a good God. You're such a beautiful God. You're going to give us a beautiful home for us to move into. And we received that home. And sometimes when I remember when I bought it, I mean, when we saw it, we put the down payment on it. I'm thinking, no, it's almost too good to be true. For myself, I'm like, is this going to happen? Is it really going to happen? God, you've got to close the deal. Come on, God. Close the deal. Come on, God. I couldn't, could, but I could have pictured myself. Yes, I could. But it, the reality of when you don't, faith, it's not there yet. You just, is it right? Is it God? Is it true? Is it going to happen? But then when we sign and we got it, it's like, yes. And it gives you an encouragement that God, you brought us into this. Same, same with this physical building. We had to have faith for this. Yes, we got pushed out. Of five doc in a sense, and financially it was way expensive, and we couldn't couldn't go to what they wanted and everything, and 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 so if we didn't get pushed out, we probably would have stayed there. But God sometimes pushes the little eaglet out of the nest, and the and the eagle actually pushes the eagle pushes the eaglet out the, e, the little eaglet, and the eagle 
baby tries to fly, flaps, and the eagle comes, shoots, catches it, and puts it back up and throws it off again until eventually the eagle gets strong enough and takes off. And sometimes Jesus does that to us. And so because we did get, you know, we had to look and we found, but even when we found this place, we had to envision this, didn't we? We had to believe for something. We see this. We see that. We see the stage up here. And Tatiana being architect and, and, and CJ and the design and, and everyone else's design factor in there and, and Kathleen and all these different people. And yeah, we, we're picturing it. Why? Because it's in us, our thoughts, and, uh, and to create it. When I, first became a, uh, when I first became a pastor, three years after I was a Christian, I remember in my image, my spirit, again, what I'm saying, I said, God, the church should have the best. Why do, why do we have to go to school and set up at a school hall and from Sunday to Sunday and, 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 and it's, it's just you know, not, not really good acoustics and, and no air conditioning? And, and I thought, no, we should be in function centers. So we were always in function centers. Why? Because this image inside of me that felt, God, you should have the best. I can't explain it any other way. God leads you this way. He puts it in you to see. But it's not something that you can conjure up. It's a relationship with God. Amen? There's a time when Abraham told, um, sorry, God told Abraham, lift up your eyes as far as you can see. From the north, from the south, from the east and from the west, I'll give you that land. I love that picture, as far as you can see. Because if you can't see it, you can't receive it. If you can't see it, you can't get it. If we had our faith, oh, well, no, nah, this can't get this building. It's just too large for us. Oh, let's just get another building. Or let's just, get, let's just set up in a function hall. And we would have got that if that's where our faith level was. Even, go, even to the Lord, you know, that once upon a time, many years ago, whenever we had to renovate a building, my mindset, again, this is what I saw inside me. Inside of me, this is what I saw. We need... Just enough money. We need exactly this amount of money. And we trusted God for exactly what we needed. And then we always stretch and always belly making and belly scraping through. And we just paid everything. And the Lord said, why do you ask for what you need? Why don't you ask for abundance? I said, oh, okay. I never thought of it that way. I said, God is a God of abundance. He really is. Everything he created into the earth and everything he put into the earth, he made abundance of it. He didn't just make enough seeds and enough trees, just enough to barely make it for the population. There's abundance of everything. That's, my, that's my, my father's nature. So I started to trust God to bring to trust God for abundance, more than enough. It's, I, I'm trying to help us see what you... Now, the Lord said to me, Lev, you believe that it'll take you 20 years to pay off this building. That's what you're going for. And that's what you faith out. And that's what you speak. And that's what you see. It'll take you 25 years or 20, 25 years. That's what you believe for. But if you believe that I could pay it off within a couple of years, put your faith out for it. But that, so that's going to be real, doesn't it? That's going to be real. God's going to be stirring me up and st- it's going to be a real faith thing. And I, be- I believe, I know God, you've got people that will put a million dollars. A million dollar offering. What? Leah, are you serious? 100% serious. God can speak to someone and put a million dollars towards a building. And now I've got, got a ministry person that I listened to, Bill Winston, who's in a, Chicago, they bought a shopping center. He runs now banks. You think, well, how can I believe? Well, believe it should be running banks. Old Testament says we should be lending to others and not borrowing from other nations, but lending to others. 
But, he, but cut a long story short, he, he says, when we take up an offering, this is his words, he says, we should be, okay, guys, we need, we need $20 million to do this community uh, uh, event to help people and to feed the poor. Let's say there was a project in the community. We need $20 million. Okay, um, who's going to offer? Ah, someone puts his hand up. I'll give 100000 Someone else says, I'll give 500000 Yeah. Someone else puts his hand oh, I'm in for $2 million. Someone else says, $1 million. And he says, in five minutes time, uh, thank you very much. We just made $20 million. Okay, put that towards the project. He's saying that's how the kingdom should operate. But you've got to have big capacity people, don't you? Generous people, people that think big, think like God. Stretch your thinking the way God thinks. And, and I'm running out of time, aren't I? The 10 spies, what a classic example. The 12 spies, really, they sent them out to look at the land, to just check out the land. They didn't, check them, they didn't say, check out the land to see if we can do it. They never said that. Moses never said, go out there to see if we can do it. No, he says, go check out the land to see the fruit of it and to see the type of uh, people that are there and the fruit and the land. If it doesn't flow with milk and honey, they went out there for 40 whole days. They checked it out. Ten of them came back and they, their report basically was, no ways, no ways. They're, they're, they're fortified cities, they're massive walls and, 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 and there's, there's the Anak people there, the, 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 the children of um, uh, the giants. and They're, they're, they're massive. Actually, you, you, see, you should see them. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. And because they saw themselves like grasshoppers, they see us as grasshoppers too. It actually says that. And we're talking about real giants Possibly someone, a, a person that stands close to the roof if they're on this stage. So I'm a little shrimp of a midget to fight. A, 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 they were giants. They were real giants. But the problem was they looked to see how big their enemy was. They looked at the natural. In other words, don't look at how big the giants are. Look at how big God is. All Joshua and Caleb did, all they say is, we're well able. We've got God. God. God is with us. We saw him do what he did to the Egyptian army. Saw the Red Sea open up. We saw the 10 plagues. We saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Keep your eyes on what God has done. Keep your eyes on what God, God has done for you and what he, who he is to you. How big is God? Not, not on the natural. Oh, he's you know, going to do this, going to do that, going to do this. And then the giants are big and the giants are this. And of course, if you're going to look at the natural, it's going to feed your faith and you can't see it. Those 10 people died of the plague. They died. They didn't get into their inheritance. The two, Joshua and Caleb, they were, I think, around 80 at that time, and they took their land, took the inheritance, because they had faith for it. The Tower of Babel. You know how they're trying to build? Think about this. as the human beings trying to build tower to God. God himself, his testimony about these people, because because the people are one, they have unity, one unity of purpose. And because they are guess, nothing, because they're one, and because of the, what they've desired to do, build this tower, nothing can be withheld from their imagination. Whatever they imagine to do, they're going to achieve it. God himself said that. So what does he do? He called, he Confuses their language. Stop their communication. It breaks the unity. So you know, it, it, to me, I think in our oneness, 
If we've found oneness, we've found unity, unity of purpose, of what God could do through us in preaching the gospel, not only to this nation, but to the nations of the world. What could God do if we all found oneness in obedience to God? Nothing can stop the imagination of what God puts in us. Oneness. Paying off a building, absolutely nothing for God. Because we're all focused in one. Say, yeah, we're going to do this. Together, we're going to do it. By ourselves, none of us can do it. But together, we can all do it. And I'm going to have to finish. Acts 2 says, verse 17, And in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And it says, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Where do you prophesy from? From here. What do you do when you prophesy? Some of it is declaring the future. Some of it is declaring what God is doing. and God is saying. God is speaking. It's, it's, again, what you see, you're speaking. You're seeing it and you speak it. And it says, your, your young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Something about old people, I'm a very young old person. No, I'm a very young person. I really am. You might think I'm old, but I'm young. I'm 54, right? 54 years young. And I have vision, I have, vision, I have dream. But a lot of old people lose dreams, don't they? So the supernatural fact of the Holy Spirit pouring out on an old person is you're still going to have dreams. Don't. Pull down your dreams because I'm 80. No, keep going. What are you going to do for God? You're 85. What are you going to still do for God? With the energy that you've been given. Don't put down that dream. The Holy Spirit's on you. You will have dream. You will dream. You will see visions. And the last one, if I could finish with this, the Holy Spirit. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, listen to this, how this works. Words. Remember I said words paint pictures. Doesn't it? The Word of God paints an image inside of me. I'm loved. I have right standing with God. I see myself right standing with God. The armor of God's on me. The shield of faith creates a beautiful picture, but it's real. The Word changes me. So when I pray in the Spirit, what am I doing? I speak not to man, but to God. And it says, to God you speak mysteries. Words in the Spirit realm. Words are painting a picture. Words to God, back to me. Words... Because it says in, in Isaiah, with stammering lips and other tongues, will I speak to these people? So God's speaking to you as you're speaking to Him. Why are you edified? Why are you built up? Because you're speaking with God. It's not a one-way conversation. You're speaking with God. He's giving you a prayer language, a heavenly language. Speak direct to God and He speaks direct to you. But those words are painting a picture. You might not think it is, but it actually is. When I pray in the Spirit, If I go there and I go in my Spirit, out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. And if I do that for an hour or two, I'm telling you, the Spirit will have image, picture of what God wants to do. And that's how God speaks to us. He'll start to say, I can see this. I have faith for that. Why? Because you're praying in the Spirit. Word, the Word of God, Jesus says, my words, they are spirit. They are life. Word of God and the actual presence of the living God, the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. To me, it's all river. Some people go, oh, the word. Are you a word church or a spirit church? Man, the word is presence. Word carries the spirit of the living God, carries the presence of God when he speaks to you. So when I'm speaking in tongues, it's doing the same thing that the word does when I get the word into me. It puts the picture in me. God has given us everything we need to live godly. 
It says that in 1 Peter, you know that. He's given us all that we need to live a life that's godly through these exceeding great and precious promises. Why don't we just stand to our feet, please? Let me pray. We bless you, Father. Father, I delivered the Word as best as I can, but Father, I know you can take the Word and do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Take the Word, and despite of us human frailty and our human weaknesses, or despite of us, take this Word and impart it into us and stir a fire of love relationship with Jesus, Lord. Give us a hunger and a thirst to be in His presence, to hear from Jesus Himself, to listen to the beautiful words of Jesus that come out of His mouth. Holy Spirit, come and ignite a passion for You. Father, we pray and make a decision right now. Some of us need to make some decisions to let go of the junk food of the world. Some of us, you've got to be careful what you're looking at. If you're looking at the wrong stuff and you're watching, you're feeding yourself wrong stuff, you wonder why you don't have a hunger for the presence of God and the Word of God. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. We pray for all of us, Lord. Father, that our eyes are to look upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, to get rid of the spiritual junk food, to fill ourselves up with the love of God, the Word of God, the presence of God. Father, thank You that You do this in our everyday walk. Tomorrow morning when we wake up, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to universities. Father, we thank You that You're with us, You're in us. Give us a hunger to put the Word of God in us, to hear from heaven. We give You praise for this, Lord. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.